0: Ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the
1: Sims and Lepco Podcast. Here's your host,
0: Adam Lepco and Chris Sims. Sims and Lepco Podcast, episode 35, 7 on video. Uh, he's making fun of me already because I can't think of any famous 35s. Gabe, he said Kevin Durant, I can't take that. Give me a 35.
1: Aeneas Williams, Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare. Bam, up your face. Are you sure about Aeneas Williams? 100%.
0: All right, don't I'll take him. Don't challenge me on this All stuff. All right, well, Chester, let's go around. Let's say hello to Everybody. Producer Josh, check it out. By he's got week, more company.
2: My goal is to have 35 hands on this dad. That's, oh, great. Yes. That's great. That's great. All really right.
0: Well, good. look. Let's go really quick. Camera three. Let's show Gabe. Get the hand in there, Gabe. You see what that hand is? That's a hand of a team that lost to the Eagles for the third straight my, game.
1: He uh, that, Gabe. And he's so upset.
0: Fly, Eagles lost. <laughs> uh, let's go to the control room real quick. Say hello to everybody. Hey, hey everybody. Oh, hey, little Steinmetz back there. Hey. Uh, so Damn, Paul Cam got whiter. Cam is getting white, man. It's that winter time of year. Uh, Paul Kaplan's not back there. I'd like to thank him, actually, for the second Mother Hen. And he is currently walking our guest, Peter King, to the studio. Right. Uh, Wow. We're heading into week seven of the year. And the thing that's interesting to me is I truly feel... Let me give you a quick preview of the show really quick. Okay. Of course, we're going to have Peter King. That's going to be awesome. We're going to actually have the conversation, why is it so hard to let Peyton Manning go? We're going to compare this Patriots team that we're seeing right now, 2007, those early 2000 team, how good really are there? And then I'm going to extend my picks league over Chris Sims because <laughs> I am just killing it this season. Uh, but what's interesting about this time of the year I feel like, I like our topics, first of all. Those I are think good. they're great topics. I'm just finding these out. Um, this is how we have to do it. We yeah. don't like to tell Sims the topics ahead of time. Otherwise, yeah. it goes off the rails because he's not an actor. <laughs> that's what he tells us. He's not an actor. But heading into week seven, I feel like we have a good grasp of who the teams in the NFL are. Right. Who should we take seriously? Who is really like, out of it? Like We can firmly say, Baltimore Ravens, thanks for coming see out. See you later. Yeah, see you later. Right. And we have a lot of mishmash in the middle that's competing for like a sixth seed in the playoffs, but we don't know. And as I was looking over, I started to think about life. I think everything in the NFL can be compared to human existence. Identity. Right. The most successful people in the world, the most successful businessmen, the most successful leaders in anything truly know who they are, and they lead their companies, organizations, teams in the same way. It's the same thing, I think, when you look at Bill Belichick. He knows who he is. And I I say this to people in our office all the time. You want to hire people that are better at things than you are. You want to hire an offensive coordinator that's going to draw it up better. Yeah, right. A D.C. that's going to do better. But no one can care more than the ultimate leader. Right. And I think when you look around at some of the teams, who has the best identity and who doesn't know their identity – the best identity, I'd say, is the Patriots. They're sure. the gold standard. They get it. Yes. Two, I'd say right now, the Carolina Panthers truly know who they are. Yes, I Ground agree. and pound. They, they, they call their offense. They have players that fit that scheme and same right. thing. And the third, I'd say, is the New York Jets. Their team is built to play exactly how they're playing. Yeah. Now, on the opposite side, who doesn't know their identity, the Jets – the Buffalo Bills don't know their identity sure, right now. Right. And I think it is a reflection of their head coach, Rex Ryan. And their injuries, I would argue, just a little bit. There is that okay, as well. Right. Other teams I don't think that have an identity. Cam, I'm sorry. The Kansas City Chiefs are one of them. Right. In terms of you knew that your weakness was the offensive line, yet you didn't address it. Yeah, sure. Another team, the Baltimore Ravens, you knew a weakness was your secondary, right. yet you don't address it. Right. In identity on a football team, how paramount is it from the head down? Uh,
1: It's gigantic. And, of course, we always hear the phrase of, uh, you know, the team adopts the head coach's uh, personality. It's very true. Why is New England uh, so detailed and able to mentally grind out a game for four quarters week after week after week? Because they got a head coach yes. that's extremely detailed, and he grinds it out day after day after day. Yeah. So they follow that mold. But I agree with you. You, you really those are some good points for somebody that's you know a beginner in football. I like where you're going. You're uh, the worst. Also, <laughs> uh, but other teams <laughs> I think that have an identity a little bit. Yes. Uh, Arizona Cardinals. Absolutely. I think they know Bruce Arians. You know, a little creativity on the offensive side of the football. Same s- defense kind of matches it as well. Yes. Uh, you can look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do think they have an identity as well. It's hard to see it right now with Big Ben Roethlisberger, right. but I do think there's one there. But yeah, it is the difference between success and not having success. Green Bay Packers. They know who they are. We as well. saw
0: a change of identity in Miami. Who is the I mean, he I've ever came seen. in and instilled toughness. We haven't seen that while. Right. Speaking of tough, it yeah. was really tough. What Peter King? I don't know Let's about. that. Welcome to the
1: studio. Really smart, really good shot. The entrance of Peter King. I got shorts on. You didn't
0: tell me I had to dress up. I love it. You thought I was still going to be on. We've advanced very far, (laughs) much like the MMQB. How's it going? Good, man. What's up? Oh, wow. Well, you doing That's all right? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right, so the one thing we were talking about in the beginning was identity. Yeah. Uh, the teams that really seem to have it and understand it, boy, they're successful. They don't. They kind of flounder. The thing that is also confusing to me is the public's understanding of identities and the ones that are really confusing. The public can't get over Andy Dalton being good right now. <laughs> they can't comprehend Cam Newton being a really good passer of the quarterback. And the one that I think is is just a constant debate they can't get over Peyton Manning and father time. And, and that's kind of where I want to start off. It's not an insult to Peyton Manning's legacy to say that he's up in age and he can't make the throws he used to be able to make. So why is it so hard for some people to let it go? And why do they make it such an indictment on his legacy that we're just saying right now he can't do it? I,
3: I, I'll never forget when, uh, when I saw Jerry Rice in training camp with the – denver broncos right. his last year right okay jerry rice uh was trying to hang on one more year he was whatever 41 42 years old wow. the day i saw training camp practice he was getting covered single covered by an undrafted free agent from bowling green right oh my and i remember talking to mike shanahan afterwards and he was saying all the right things but you could you could just feel right that it's over yeah. and it's getting to be the end of the line And everybody said, look what he's doing to his legacy. He should just retire. Hey, look, six years after he quit football and he walked onto the stage in Canton, Ohio, was anybody thinking of him getting covered by the free agent corner from Bowling Green in his last training camp? You don't ruin your legacy. You don't hurt your legacy. Peyton Manning... Is in no way affecting his legacy. Absolutely. By working his rear end off in this week, his bye week, to try. He's sitting down this week with Gary Kubiak and they're trying to figure out look, okay, Kubiak wanted the two back offense. Right. Kubiak wants the zone blocking scheme. Right. Manning wants the one-back and no-back shotgun, okay? If anything, he wants his back to be a sidecar at most. He doesn't Mm. want to get under center and have two backs. So, I mean, they're figuring their compromise, but in no way does it diminish Manning's legacy.
0: The thing that's really interesting about the whole situation is former players, the way they talk about Peyton Manning – I saw them on NFL Network going after Chris Rose for talking bad. I mean Irvin and Dion. Yeah. It upsets people that you're speaking poorly about a guy at any point when if you're really being candid, he's just he just can't do everything.
3: He can't do it anymore. But I will say this Robert Klemko of the MMQB, my site, he went to the Denver Cleveland game on Sunday and he canvassed the locker room. There was a ferocity right. of support right. for Manning. Like Get off our quarterback's back. And I'll just tell you this. Peyton Manning's not going anywhere this year okay, people say, okay, well, what about Brock Osweiler, big, well, yeah, strong-armed guy, everything like that? Right. I mean, the only way that happens is if Manning gets hurt. Right. And it's just not going to happen. Plus, they're 6-0. No matter what you say about the quarterback, seven touchdowns, ten interceptions, there's no way in the world that they're making a quarterback change.
0: No, I totally and agree. And plus, that, that touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders, Beautiful. that was a thing of beauty. Give them credit and, for
3: that. And, and if, if, uh, if Demarius Thomas catches that ball on whatever it Yeah, right, exactly right. Yes. he had two big drops. Yeah he had the game. two huge right, drops near right. the end of the game. So you know I just think it's one of those things in the old days those those woes, those mistakes aren't noticed as much. But now you say, God, that offense has to be perfect it really does. for them to put up thirty points in a game. And right. to
0: Emmanuel Sanders' points he came out this week and said, you know what, we're six and zero. he's not even playing that well. I'm actually more confident. I don't think Peyton's going to improve as the season goes on. Yeah. It's going to get colder. The arm's going to get more tired. It's a conversation that we talk about all the time. It's crazy that Brady is two years younger. Sure. Yet he There are some freak bodies,
3: though, really. And Brady has always been nutty. You know, he's one of these go-to-bed-at-830. A big treat for him is avocado ice cream. Yeah, he gets
1: his food shipped into the facility. I mean, that's he gets special food shipped in. I mean, yeah. I worked there, so I got to see it. But, yeah, he is totally about his body. Uh, that is one of the reasons. And I was going to say, too, his throwing motion is to stand the test of time more than Peyton Manning's. Interesting. Uh, Peyton Manning, you got to watch the, the the motion is so vertical, yeah. right? It's from here down. How can you throw a ball that way when you're applying force this way? Plus doesn't where it Tom seem Brady Chris, is that I, I, way? I, I,
3: let me just ask you this. Yeah. I don't,
1: I'm going to stand up for a second. Yeah, but to sure. me, when
3: I see Manning now, I see him go Ugh, yes. You know, and I wonder What's in his legs now? Sure. Are his legs going? Does he have that power? To really drive off his back leg. Right. I wonder that. I mean, you were a quarterback. What does
1: it look like to you? Yeah, Three, well, should we all I, stand? I, well, well, I could stand. Well, I think the it. one thing Peyton Manning doesn't do a whole lot when he throws the ball, and he's right, I'm tucked in here, is he doesn't get any rotation this way. If you watch Aaron Rodgers throw the ball, now I'm lefty, so it's going to be the opposite. But watch Aaron Rodgers warm up next week. When he throws the ball, his follow-through ends up up here, right? Because he wants to apply force there, and he gets rotation with his body. Peyton's here, and then it's, huh, yeah. Now, he made that adjustment during his career because, one, he he can emulate that motion over and over. Mm-hmm. So that's how you become very accurate, good at it. You get a high release. It's going to help with some of the short passes they used to always throw in Indy. Marvin Harrison coming across the middle, uh, you know, uh, Wayne, whatever else. It helped him get it over the line of scrimmage as well. But this is the downfall of it is it, it's not a motion conducive for lasting the test of time yes. or applying force to the football. And and the one other thing is, look, the
3: difference between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and you could even bring in Drew Brees to this one, but the difference really between Brady and, Ma- Brady and Manning physically is that Brady has not had four-neck procedures.
1: Exactly
2: right. You yes. know,
3: I mean, so you have that all of a sudden. What does that do sure. to your ability? I mean, he told me this summer he didn't have any feeling in his fingertips. And – but – That that isn't just this year, right? I mean, that stems from the 2011, 2012 surgeries. So, I just think that you're asking the body to do something. It it was funny when when you see him taking a sack now, you will see him go down before anybody hits him. Go down slumber party. Go down before anybody hits him, and the reason is he knows that he's going to get hit. He knows he's going to take a sack. And so any hit he takes, he knows could be the last one. So, in other words, why, when you know that there's a 90% chance that you're not going to be able to fight your way out of this, just accept the inevitable, go down, and live to fight another day? Some
1: of the greatest things he does, actually. It's why him and Eli are always starting every game. They're great at not taking big hits. They will sometimes just throw the white flag and say, this one's over, I'm right. going down. Yeah. I
0: think when you talk about Peyton Manning, the correlation to the Patriots and Bill Belichick is there. I mean, the amount of battles they've had over the years. I don't want to talk about the punt play because I think we can all admit that it was really stupid and it didn't work and it was at the wrong time. And can Col- I just say one thing all about right, the punt fine. play? Yeah. Just one. Yeah, yeah, just I just one. Do it.
3: Okay, I wrote this today, but something very funny. When I'm watching the play, I mean, I do my column on Monday and I – You know, it was like maybe 3.30 in the morning where I go to NFL Game Pass and I'm looking at this thing and over and over again and I'm watching it. And the one thing I notice, now wait a second, they have maybe, maybe two guys on the line you know, and you got to have seven. Right. Okay? I mean, in an NFL offensive play, you must have seven guys on the line of scrimmage. Yes. Now, now some lines, you'll see them fan out. The tackles try to get a little bit of an edge. Right. So maybe they're back a yard. But, right. I mean, you got to be on the line or very close to the line. And I'm saying to myself, if I'm Chuck Pagano, if I'm Pep Hamilton, if I am, and it's not Pep Hamilton, it'd be the special teams right. coach. But it, it, don't you always say, you know, the first thing about a play is, hey, okay, you guys seven, yeah. you guys got to be on the line. Definitely. So to me, the, out of all the indictments of this play, right. the fact that you supposedly have been practicing this play since last year, right. yeah. and the first thing that happens is only two guys, yes. the center, And the wing guy, you know, the gunner, the flyer (laughs) on the punt cover. You're the only two guys who are on the line. The rest of you are at least two yards back. Ridiculous. I was was going
0: to go to the Patriots, but I want to talk
1: about Pagano really quick. Yeah, what is his assessment of that whole situation there? I'd like to just hear that before. uh, I'm sorry. Just like the Colts, Gregson, Pagano, what do you think? Just what's your heart? What's your gut tell you might happen there? the, the The
3: reason that I said this on NBC the other night, the reason that Chuck Pagano got a mediocre contract extension offer is because Jim say, the owner of the Colts, right. looks at his team and says, we get beat 900 to nothing every time we play the Patriots. Yeah, right. And I hired this guy to fix our defense. Now, we can argue all day about, is he buying the groceries? Is he contributing to buy the groceries? Whatever. But the fact is, the groceries that have been purchased are spoiling yes. out in the sun. And they're not being either coached well or they weren't good enough in the first place. But whatever it is, the Indianapolis Colts do not have a good enough defense to compete with the Patriots. Right. And Ursay's looking at that and saying, I don't, I don't know if I want to marry this guy for the next five years. Well, it's something
1: I, I think you bring up a great point. It's, I said this to him. I've yes. been saying this the last two, three weeks, actually. Chuck Pagano was brought to the Colts. Because of his defensive prowess, what he did in Baltimore. He gets to the Colts and he stops coaching the defense. Greg Minuski is in charge of game planning week in, week out. I don't understand that. That always confuses me when a defensive coach takes over and they don't do what got them the job. And you have to know that you're going to be judged.
3: It's like, why has Brian Billick never gotten another shot? And I believe Brian Billick never got another shot. I think he's a good coach, but right. he never got another shot because everybody looked at the quarterbacks for him yeah. with the Baltimore Ravens. And mm. they said, well, you're supposed to be able to develop some of these quarterbacks. Right. The and, he never, did it. Right. and he never yeah, and he right. never
0: had a great quarterback when right. he was in Baltimore. Do you think, there, and this is a touchy subject, and I think that the reason it's touchy is the issue. They had Bruce Arians, and he was unbelievable. Pagano has cancer, and he becomes this national story leaving the light on the office. I mean, I remember reading this and getting emotional thinking about a team rallying around it. And there was part of me that felt that the Colts felt obligated to stay with Pagano after they watched Arians, an up-and-comer, just dominate. And now they see him in Arizona. Do you think there's any remorse there that they went? There is
3: now. I'm sure there is now. But here's the whole thing. No one, no one at the time in Indianapolis said Hey, you know what? Yeah. We like Arians a lot better. Let's keep him and let's give Chuck a gold watch and 5 million bucks. Right. Yeah, right. Nobody said that. Contract. Nobody yeah. said that. Everybody said, "Hey, good for Bruce Arians. He's finally getting his shot yes. to be a
0: head coach." Cuz he looks incredible right now.
3: Of course he does. But I don't think I really don't think that that is the issue okay. right now. I mean, look, Everybody can look at something three years later, two sure. years later, and say we wish it had happened this way. I don't hear that. I just hear that, you know, the owner looks at the whole thing and he says, at the end of this year, we got to figure out who's going to lead our team. I think I have a quarterback who can win multiple Super Bowls, yep. and our defense is floundering, so what are we going to do? And
0: I'll give credit to Ursay. I like to look at the past decisions and see how it reflects in the future. Elway, his ability to get rid of Tebow, all that, I applaud him for that. His ability to officially move on from Peyton and see Andrew Luck, it was a tough decision. He's not afraid to go, I disagree, I'm going the other way. So I like
3: that. Actually, the Manning thing was the only decision he could make. But you're right. It still was a tough decision to move right. on from the greatest yeah. player
0: in franchise history. Who could still play? Right. That is the I question. Know. Yeah. Um, all right. So now I want to talk about the Patriots yeah. because he continues to say this is maybe the <clears throat> best Patriots. This is, team is better than last year's Super Bowl team.
3: Well, because they can defensively
0: pressure the So my question so well. is compare this team to the 2007 team. And the early 2000s team, what do you like about this team, and, and how does it stack up Our, to those teams? First of all, teams? are
1: you a Patriots fan? I mean, I know you're from the area, no, but No, when really, I was a kid, yeah.
3: I, I grew up in this town halfway between New York and Boston, Enfield, right. Connecticut. But when I was a kid, just think, I was born in 1957. Oh. In the mid-60s and late-60s, when I was really becoming a sports fan— right. Everybody in my town loved the New York Giants. Right. Mm. New England was a Giants area. Yeah, sure. It wasn't until the last, say, 20 years, when I'm long gone, that my town starts to become Patriot heaven. Right. Okay? It was all... All of New England was, was a giant place. So right. I, when I was a kid, I loved the Giants. My, in fact... When I got the job covering the New York Giants in 1985, I never told your dad this, he'd get a kick out of it. When I got a job covering the New York Giants for Newsday, my father... Was like okay. He was proud of me when I did this. Sure. Proud of me when I did that. You proud made of it. This. You made it. With now <laughs> I really made it. You're gonna be in the locker room with LT and Sims. Wow. Yeah, that's I said, Dad, it isn't quite that way anymore. Right. You know. But 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 no. I I mean the way I look at the Patriots right now is is very simple. Explosiveness compared to 2007, not even close. Mm. You know uh, Randy Moss. Yeah, sure. You know you you're just you're not going to be as explosive. Then again, you know Gronk versus Ben Watson. Yeah, has a pretty That's big right. edge there. Yeah, right. But I think that I think that the running games are always going to be parallel because Bill never believes that you got to have a franchise back. Yes, right. Okay, but I think as far as explosiveness and uh, it, you know it was better in 2007. The offensive line was better in 2007, mm. and now losing the left tackle. We don't know. Plus, maybe Marcus Cannon now being hurt. Yep. That offensive line, and, and look, I mean, the, I think that Dave DeGuglielmo last year did a phenomenal job, and I think he continues to do a good job. And I think Josh McDaniels does a really good job game planning when he knows I think that Josh he's going to have a crowd. I think Josh is at a level pocket. right now yeah.
0: that we haven't seen out of him. I yeah. think he has such a firm grasp on yeah. matchups right now, and the ability to use Edelman and Gronk are the perfect pair. The yeah. perfect pair. What about defenses, though, compared to those two? Well,
3: I think this defense is better. Mm. And I think. And this was
0: the secondary that everybody was questioning all last yeah, of season. And, and, well, I mean, well, the I secondary,
3: s- the secondary, in my opinion, is pedestrian at best. Mm. But your secondary is going to be a lot better when you can pressure the passer the oh, way they fine. can. Yes. I mean, Chandler Jones now. I mean, look, no one's even talking talking or writing about this, but Gerard Mayo has had his playing time reduced. And no, Who no. would have ever thought that, that Gerard Mayo would have his playing time reduced? We always thought that he was the standard bearer.
0: He was the Ray Lewis you of need to that watch, defense. You need to watch more Bleach Report. This dude right here <laughs> has been talking about their front seven for like three months. Yeah, And, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The weapons, the And, and the multi
1: last year in New England, that would be my thought, because yeah. of Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower. Jamie Collins oh. is so good. The and you know,
3: I mean, yeah. it, it isn't and it isn't just his tremendous like you saw the athleticism on the block dexter point. <laughs> right. It's just I think he's got such a great sense he's a of playing sideline to sideline. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. How about here's a guy who was like 0 and 12 at Southern Miss. <laughs> right. You know, and right. I'm saying, how can this guy be on a winless That's team? He's so good.
1: With this and I'll say this. This is where Bill Belichick. I'll get. I mean, of course, we give him tons. Yeah, of we props. give him tons. That was his pick. Jamie Collins was Bill Belichick's pick. I was working there, and when we picked him, trust me, the front office, some of the scouts, when we picked Jamie Collins, they were like, What? How do we, Jamie Collins in the second round? I remember round? It, was same, it was kind of the same, it was kind of the same reaction by everybody around it
3: when they picked Ross I. Dowling. Yeah, right. At the first pick of the second round, whatever, like six years yeah, ago. Right, right, from Virginia. And he, he turned out to be lousy. Yeah. But when Belichick has a gut feeling, yeah. Just go with it and get out of the way. Wait, you know? So you
0: were there for the scouting process. Like, were they talking about Jamie Collins in the process? Whole, like how did that happen? Not a whole
1: lot. Now, you know, of course, I'm not
0: in those meetings. I was
1: low-level bitch boy, so yeah. I didn't get to get in those meetings. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I, I had seen his name a lot. I hadn't watched him. I wasn't in charge of that area in my scouting de- department. But I knew he was a linebacker that we had graded highly. And I kept going, oh, I wonder what it is with this kid. And I had seen him a little bit and gone, oh, he's tall. He's got all our measurables that right. New England likes. Right. Uh, but Bill obviously saw more.
0: I love and that, that Bill he- was all in, Yes. I mean, yeah. right, one more thing, because I know he's got to go. Yeah, we are about He's got to a hoop see, game to go to. I know or a cross country yeah. event. No, I just walked here from my apartment, and I, it's a nice
1: day outside. It so. is a great
0: day. We are about to see what I believe is history that is going to start happening more, which is the first game solely broadcast on the internet. Yeah. How long until this becomes the norm? You know, when this first
3: happened. I mean, like, I'm 58 years old. I don't really get sort of the impact. I always just figure that there's 256 regular season NFL games. And whatever NFL game that you really want to watch, you're going to be able to watch Mm. it somehow in some venue. If you want to spend whatever it is, 250 bucks a year, you'll be able to watch any game you want to pretty much for the rest of your life. That's the way I think. What makes this interesting and what no one really has talked about, I talked to Brian Rolap when this first happened. And, uh, you know, the director of broadcasting, vice president of broadcasting, whatever he is, a media, I'm sorry, for the NFL. And you know what's really big for the NFL on this that no one has talked about? The fact that people in Russia and China and Australia, and think of the time zones that are on the other side sure. of the world, okay? These people are going to be able to watch this game on their computers right. in prime time on Sunday night. Right. Every place in the world, Sunday night is a pretty good television time, okay, or computer time. So now, instead of worrying about we need to get this cleared on the big TV channel in Shanghai or in every... I mean, it's going to be on everybody's laptop everywhere in the world. So now you get exposed... Even though it is the Bills and the Jags, how does anybody in Shanghai know? They're going to be seeing a little ad for it on top of their, uh, uh, you know, on some ribbon on top of whatever uh, server they have. You know, so so to me, I think the biggest thing is you're going to be showing a live football game to millions and millions of people around the world. And what happens if, for instance, 100,000 around the world in prime time where how many people are in china and russia i don't know a lot (laughs) how many of those people what if one out of a hundred just says hey look at this and watches it for 10 20 30 minutes That is the biggest thing for yeah. the NFL. Right. Awesome.
0: I yeah. wish you could stay the entire time. I
3: really time. do. I wish you could too. I'll come back.
1: Yeah, come back. Right, Since yeah. you live now, we know you're walking distance. Yeah. I, know. I shouldn't have
3: said that. You're the <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: what, as you as you can walk out. I just want to know. You think Ray Rice ever gets a chance to get in the football again? Yes. You do.
3: I really do. Okay. I think he's going to get signed. I know. I know that there's one team that has a great back, and he's high on their short list. Okay. And what that means, obviously, is that if there's one or two more injuries. I think Pierre Thomas is hurting him right now. Okay, because he's the free agent. Yeah, back Pierre that Thomas are is in. the next guy on a lot of right, people's right, list. Right, Even though people are worried about Pierre Thomas's injury, yeah, health history. Sure. But I think when you look at Pierre Thomas, the one thing you say is he's been there, he's done that. He's yes. a great receiver out of the backfield. Right. So is Ray Rice. Right. Mm. But I think that I I think this is going to take an owner who can stand up in front of the cameras and say,
1: we believe in second chances. Yeah, right.
3: Because everybody, I think now, I mean, everybody says, this guy's paid his
1: penance. He has, and and I know him well. And Listen, I I don't know anything the kid has done bad other than this. And I know that was really bad. And if he's done it more than once, then the hell with him, and he doesn't deserve to play. But, yes, this is a lifetime of good deeds. We've talked about it. Chris, you know what? I'll just say this. Everybody has asked this question, and to me,
3: I think Roger Goodell should have said this at some point. Everybody asked the question, well, geez, I mean, why did he only get two games in the first place? It's a very, very simple reason. Yeah. For three years at least in Baltimore, when the Ravens PR staff, when the Ravens community staff needed – a PSA to be cut somewhere in Maryland if they need they needed a a bullying spokesman for anti-bullying in Maryland Ray Rice said I'll do it when they needed anything on Tuesday players day off Ray Rice said I'll do it so group after group after group came forward and said we love Ray Rice we love this guy so Roger Goodell is saying this is an absolutely horrible thing it's terrible it's it's unconscionable But I think it's a moment in time yeah And so that's why he originally gave him only two games. I'm not defending it. I'm just simply saying that Ray Rice, he may have done this before. We don't know. Everybody says he never did. But the fact is... I believe that he's going to get a chance and absolutely categorically should get a chance.
1: Yeah,
0: awesome. Thank I'm you glad. very much for your yes, insight. Man. No Great problem. You. Good meeting you guys. For the third thank time. you. super excited. Thank Peter you. Peter King, the man walking off in shorts. Thanks and for leaving shows. MMQB for SLP. <laughs> <laughs> I just that, made that up. <laughs> that was. That was <laughs> See innovative. you, man. Um, I think the interesting thing. That was cool about Ray Rice. I'm, so, I, I was, the interesting uh, thing about Ray Rice and. The reason that it's interesting, and, and honestly, producer Josh has been wanting to kind of talk about this for a long time because it's very interesting, is how is Greg Hardy able to play right. and someone like Ray Rice isn't? Now, I will say this. Two wrongs do not make a right, yeah. and just because one's playing doesn't mean it's okay for the other to play. Right. My biggest thing with Ray Rice is the main reason was that there was a video. And I thought for a long time, I was actually worried about the discussion of domestic violence in the NFL because I thought we were sending the message to young athletes that the main thing about domestic violence, just don't get caught on video. Right. I thought that, that was the message because no one is talking about the Daryl Washingtons or the Jonathan Dwyers or the Ray McDonalds or the Leroy Hills anymore. Those were guys that were involved in domestic violence, but it's not a big deal because we don't have video of it. Yeah. The team that signs Ray Rice... They're going to see that on their local news, on all the websites, everywhere. That's the You're having a national on. onslaught of media coming. Blah, blah, blah. Sign Ray Rice.
1: And coming up, and it's the video showing of him punching And, his and that
0: was part of the reason why, and this is going to sound crazy, I was happy that Greg Hardy is creating this discussion. Because Ray Rice, to me, was the—he ran the playbook. Right. I go up there with my wife. I apologize, I show remorse, and I move on, and the NFL was able to kind of go, nobody signed this guy, and we'll show that we're making a real impact on domestic violence. Greg Hardy went the absolute opposite way. Not only am I not going to stand up there with the other person, we're going to do a settlement out of court, so I'm going to avoid all the punishment, Mm -hmm. and when I come back in front of a locker room. Uh, Not only am I not going to show remorse, I'm going to go next question and not even talk about it. I'm going to no-comment you. Right. And the interesting thing about Greg Hardy is he's forced us as an NFL community watching the game because the hardest thing, I think, is for Cowboys fans. We have one downstairs. He's a doorman. And I asked him, I said, you know, what do you think of Greg Hardy? And he gave me the rundown of of all the things. They're trying to win. He's a cowboy. I have to root for him. As you just said, if it happens again, I'm done with him. But really, Greg Hardy is forcing us to have a conversation about domestic violence. And if Ray Rice is really able to do it, I just never thought it would happen again because of video. Yeah, I agree. But I'm happy that Greg Hardy, it's crazy to say, is forcing us to have an actual conversation about domestic violence. Because it's, it's a hard one that people will people pass away. Two
1: people in the, you, you can't find two people to say bad things about Ray Rice. That's my point with Ray Rice. And like I said, so that's the big issue. Greg Hardy, you can find more than two people to say bad things about him. Yes. Uh, so I, I, do, I think it's an interesting discussion. I'm glad he took that stance because not everybody like him will. Another uh, thing I just want to say, real quick, about the New England Patriots. Sure. It was overlooked. And glad to see you back in your seat. Did you see how worried he was? Of getting Peter King out of here? It's I, I don't him. want to keep
2: Peter King longer. That's
1: all than, I mean. He was so worried about it. Josh. Peter was fine. He was yeah, comfortable. Yeah, he wanted to hang out. He's got I mean, a schedule. It's my job producer to keep Josh, it. Josh.
0: I swear to gosh, if yeah. Exactly. Cockadoodle doodle cock a doodle If There do. is a schedule that says I need to go to the bathroom at 11:30 and i there at 11:29. Josh is freaking out.
2: <laughs> that's that's what I do. Uh, <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Yeah. Josh, i like to hear your thoughts. What were your thoughts on uh Peter King there? You guys were very excited for I that. thought he was awesome.
2: Actually yeah. when when he stood up and started doing the Demo, and then you stood up and did it Lefko looked over at me and just had like the biggest grin on his face and <laughs> because I Peter King just when you
0: fully embrace what the, the Sims and Lefko podcast yeah, and great. let it wash over it you was yeah. you feel the need to stand and, up. That was, and that was a
2: moment where all the times that we were doing it just on audio right. and Chris would be like acting stuff out yes, in that right. little room and then he would say God I really wish people could see what I was yeah. doing right now there you go that was the moment right there Patriots yeah. point what do you got my,
0: my
1: Patriots point I just was thinking about this last night and I don't even know why uh, but the big thing is one of the things I think it was underlooked with the Patriots Patriots. Overlooked. I think, overlooked. Underlooked. I never uh, heard that. They, they have maybe three of the top 10 GMs in football in their organization. And I think that goes overlooked. And we always go, oh, how do they make these moves? Well, they got Bill Belichick. He's one of the top 10 GMs in yep. football. They have Nick Casario, who I would say is one of the top GMs in football. He's really their acting GM. They who don't is give he? Him. Where does he come from? He's, People don't know. Yeah, him. Well, he's, he's their pro personnel guy. Uh, I don't even know. Look up Nick Casario's exact title because I don't think – they give him the title of GM, uh, but he was an ex-quarterback, John Carroll University, John Carroll's Bill Polian, a bunch of other front mm. office extraordinaries through football. Right? His
2: title is Director of Player Personnel.
1: There you go, Director of Player Personnel. He's really the acting GM, but New England's smart, and they don't want to pay anybody the money to have the title of GM, <laughs> so they don't do that. And then they have Mike Lombardi, uh, who, uh, of course, was in Cleveland, and they were stupid enough to let him go, and Bill Belichick hired him and four minutes later. Uh, so that, again, is... To the greatness like you were saying earlier. That's what made Having me. Having an about identity. It. Having an identity, knowing I want to hire other smart people, putting your ego in check and be like, no, I just I don't care if
0: he's smarter than me in this yes. area.
1: I want him here for the ideas so we can grow as a team.
0: And I'm gonna say this too, as you're saying this, I'm thinking about Seattle. Because I think there's been so much praise heaped on them over the years in terms of knowing who they are getting players that fit their scheme, getting players that fit their turf and their stadium and all that. And that's why everyone right now that is enjoying putting dirt over the grave of the Legion of Doom I think is very much going to regret it. Oh my gosh, they have communication issues. Oh my gosh, they can't figure it out. You're telling me that Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor are going to go, you know what? You guys are right. I give up. If there is a core group of men that care about being great, they're going to turn it around. Hey guys, the Minnesota Vikings right now are the sixth seed in the playoffs. It is wide open. Seattle, Offensive side. I think what we're they're going to figure it out. Yeah, I
1: think what we're saying with Seattle is we don't think they can win the Super Bowl this year. They might get in the playoffs. I just don't look at them like that. The one difference between Seattle. But there's and there's New- the identity problem. The one, the one difference, ah. yeah. But the one difference between talk. Seattle and New England. Okay. The biggest difference with all those things you said, you made a ton of great points. But what has Seattle done different than New England? What is it? They have they've simply paid six players way too much money. Bill Belichick would have never done it. So they have no depth to their football team. That is the number one, I think, flaw in Seattle that Beyond maybe even I overlooked. Yeah, uh, going into the season, you know, you just can't pay three guys in the secondary, uh, two linebackers, Michael Bennett, Jimmy Graham, Russell Wilson. That's your whole damn salary cap right there. And then look at their How offensive can you, line. Exactly,
0: the offensive line stinks but, but this but year. There's I, but no depth on this. the D line. I would say this: the big thing about Seattle, the biggest issue, their identity. They got rid of Max Unger, They brought in Jimmy Graham, and now the public is <laughs> saying we need to see this person, and we're saying it too because yeah. you paid the guy and you made the trade for him. Right. But now they're trying to do things on offense that they've never done before, and they're getting away from the ground and pound yeah. and, and what their team was based in. Yes, but uh, I think you're you're right. Uh, but they can't. They can't
1: ground and pound. No, you know because they're just not good enough up front.
0: Um, so we've gotten to do a lot of stuff. Let's do uh, our Ballers of the Week and our Coordinators of the Week. Sure. I'm gonna, I really wanted to do it with uh, Peter King, but oh, yeah. Fendrick kicked him out. My offensive line, I am going with Clint Bowling. Offensive God from the Cincinnati Bengals. It's more of a season achievement award for him and the offensive line. Mm. 416 snaps on offense. The man has played all 416. Last week against Buffalo, that offensive line allowed no sacks at all. Exactly. They, are, they, are, they are the main reason, in my mind, beyond Dalton and all that, that the Cincinnati Bengals' offense has been so successful. They owned Seattle at the end of that game, pushing around. He's been a huge reason why. I also want to say Kevin Zeitler, the other guard, has been great. Very good. Uh, my D-Lime of the Week. Give me the drums again. I like that a lot. The d lineman of the Week. Kawan Short, defensive tackle of the Carolina Panthers. Two enormous sacks on third down against Russell Wilson. Had a pass deflection on third down that was going to go to an open Jimmy Graham. Seattle went 4-14 of on third down. He was a huge reason why. The only other names I want to say... Fletcher Cox and Benny Logan for president and vice president 2016 because <laughs> those guys are so good. Uh, and me and Benny Logan are now friends on Twitter, and I'm gonna try and get them geez. into the podcast. Jeez. Who are your ballers of the week? Well, first of
1: all, I gotta address my ballers of the week last week, who I said two. Uh, I did some t- yes. Indianapolis Colts offensive linemen, right? Oh, no. a- so
0: we are. This is the equivalent of doing a newspaper correction.
1: I am correcting myself. We had somebody comment on the bottom of the section. He was a Colts fan. He called me out. He got me. What? Do you, what why? Uh, but nonetheless, th- it was a Thursday night football game, right? Houston, Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis Colts did a great job. Of, we didn't hear JJ Watt's name. So it came Tuesday. Time to shoot the podcast. He goes, "Who's your offensive lineman of the week?" I, like an idiot, first of all, I, know, I you, very, you know this, I very rarely watch the Thursday night game film because right. it's on TV. It's the only game i got to watch. But I, like an idiot, just pulled up their roster and said, oh, give it to Harrimans and Muhort for the great job they did against. I mean, Harrimans didn't play, so I'm an idiot. And I, of all people, am an idiot because my dad announced the game <laughs> and he told me Harrimans wasn't going to play. But in the rush of the matter, I said it. So, good job, whoever you were that commented. that uh, We can't find his name anymore, but... Regardless, he called me on my crap. So good job. Now give me uh, what did I do at OCDC of the week? Oh or? no,
0: you haven't even said your oh, offensive yeah. line. Do you give was... me some horns. I don't want a
1: drum roll. I want no. You're getting the drums.
0: Oh damn! You're getting. I don't know what you're getting.
1: I'm going to give Shan Gailey a lot of love. The offensive line, defensive line. That's right, James Carpenter. You're cursing. New York Jets. That was my curse. New York Jets. James Carpenter, left left guard. Phenomenal job against the Washington Redskins. Washington Redskins, they're stout in the middle. Yep. We know Pot Rose is there. Uh, Jason Hatcher, they're a, really, their offensive line in general, phenomenal. But Carpenter is a beast in the interior. That Jets interior offensive line is legit. Defensive line, this is a, a, uh, an easy one. And Dominican Sue. I know I could pick Cam Wake with the four sacks off the edge, but Sue had his best game as a Dolphin. Dan Campbell, identity. Yes. He's got a new identity down there in Miami. Yes. They said, you know what, we might not win the game, but we're going to play balls to the wall and we're going to try to knock your head off. And it showed as soon as you turned on the film.
0: I would like to know in training camp when the defensive minds came in and said, here's what we're thinking for this Indomitian Sioux guy. Let's let him sit back for the first <laughs> few seconds and read and react. What are you doing? Yeah. How do you not look at the guy and go, hey, just let go. him get after the quarterback. Right. I don't get it. Okay, yeah. uh, offensive coordinator, defensive quarter of the week. Why don't you go first? Right, sure? I said blew it. Chan yeah.
1: Gailey, New York Jets, doing a great job. Listen, I didn't know if Chan Gailey could pull it off with all this talent around him. I thought Chan would, you know, with the offensive line running game, I still thought he'd get back to old Buffalo Bills and get to the spread and dink and dunk, stay impatient with the run game. They're doing a lot of stuff on offense. That offense, I mean, it's legit. They're not going anywhere. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a question mark. Certainly going forward, but, man, are they legit. And then my D coordinator, I think a guy that we just – he's kind of a big name, but we got to show him a little love because his defense is whooping butt. And that's Wade Phillips out in the Denver Broncos. Uh, Unbelievable job. I mean – Right now, we're going, damn, Denver, can you outscore Peyton in your offense every week? I mean, it's unbelievable what they're doing. Uh, Not only is it sound, but it's yet risky enough that it causes turmoil and forces a few mistakes by the offense every week.
0: I'm going to give my analyst of the week award for Chris Sims for picking uh, Mr. Barrett. As a hidden truth. Oh, thank you. One of the Shaquille. better videos we do, Shaquille Barrett, and he goes out there and has a monster game thinking like a sack and a half. One and half. a half, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go OC. I'm going the Sean Payton Pete Carmichael duo. Pete Carmichael has the title down there with New Orleans, but Sean Payton, I think we all kind of say, is the guy that makes the plays. When Mark Ingram goes 20 carries for 46 yards and you still tear apart the Atlanta Falcons defense, right. I thought their use of play action, of rollout, of Ben Watson having a career day. Give him that first loss What'd to What do you Falcons? think, Josh?
1: What do you think, Josh? Yeah, Cut to Josh. Josh.
0: Cut to Josh. I want to know. Oh, uh, good. Just uh, a producer of our show. I don't know
1: what he's
2: doing.
0: Uh, and then I'm going to say <laughs> the DC of the week, I am actually going to go to John Pagano, brother of Chuck out there in San Diego. Yeah. You take on Aaron Rodgers. They get two early James Starks touchdowns, which were crazy plays. Yeah. And yet you hold them to one touchdown the rest of the game. It was, a, it was a nice game plan. I love Jason Verrett. Teams are trying to go after Brandon Flowers, but he's making it work. And you're getting pressure with a D-line. Yeah. I don't see a real great pass rusher on Agre- San Diego. Agreed. But that was a very big game plan for them. And it geez, was. Phillip Rivers, 500 passing yards, can't get the win. You know, it's just it's un- hard for some people. It
1: is. Uh, poor Philip Rivers. Uh, you know, other than Andrew Luck, has anybody got to carry their team more than Phillip Rivers the last two years? I mean, it's unreal. Cam Newton's up yeah, there. Yeah, Cam Newton's up there. Aaron Rodgers is up there for sure. Speaking
0: of guys that have to carry the weight of an organization, Stephen Nelson. Welcome <laughs> to the Sims and Left Go. There podcast. he goes. Have it, where's we your, new when girlfriend
4: do you get to see your girlfriend? Uh, she's come. Uh, okay, right. sorry, let's let's try, try, that try that again. Let's Hold again. That again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, there. what's going yeah, on, dude? Yeah, go. That was rough, yeah. too. Still bad. Uh, she's coming Wednesday. Coming Wednesday.
1: Yeah.
0: You'll be pepping your step. Producer Josh, he'll be ready to go. Dude, this has been such an assault on Producer Josh. This is a bad, tough one. Josh,
1: what do you think of this situation? Oh, Oh, look at that. Oh, there he is. You're such a bully. This whole part is getting cut out of the final episode. Hey, you got to do it like this. Come on, get it here. Just calm down. Nice and slow, and then lock it right here. We're good. You can give a snap at the end. That's that down south snap right there. Lefko likes to leave the shooter out, you know. Yeah, yeah he does do that. I'm all not the time. a shooter guy. I'll say that. But
4: Lefko's See, good. all right, in California, it's it's different. Like you grew up as a kid, it's yeah, it's That's real California. quick. That's California, right? You're get you're in, you out. Like I'm not, I don't want to feel your palms, Sims. If I'm doing. I high officially high. realized yeah.
0: today that this has yeah. jumped the shark, fist fist bump. That especially. That the actually. explode. Yeah. No, what no, did you say? Dice. Jump the shark. You've never heard the phrase jump the shark? I have not. So jump the shark, welcome to the lesson plan here with Mr. Lefko. Jump the shark is when something is like really cool and it's like rising in popularity and then something happens that makes it not cool. And the phrase actually comes from Fonzie and it was when Happy Days was not doing well anymore and they were kind of getting old and they had an episode where he was going to jump over a shark on like skis and he went to go over, and he just jumped over pretty much like a circle of water, and that's when everyone went, this show is done. I want to get sensual. Sensual. Music's uh, going right now, and it's the mu- sensual.
4: The music, it's, it sounds great. I, I know you like baseball. I man, do. Your Yankees are no longer in it. But the championship series are continuing. Right. Toronto, Kansas City. Yeah. Chicago, and, of course, the New York Mets. Right. But the moment of the playoffs so far is probably – Jose Bautista, Joey Bats. Yeah, flipping that. And his bat flip. The internet loved it. Right. It was awesome. Baseball purists, maybe not so much. Right. My question for you two is, what is the dumbest unwritten rule in all sports?
1: Oh, Mm. man, that's a really good question. I wish you would have let me have a second on that. First of all, I will say this. I hate that. I'm so sick of the baseball purist crap. I really am. Hey, the guy just hit... A game winning home run in game five of the ALDS. Yep. If he can't be excited then, then damn, he can't be excited ever playing baseball. I don't understand it. It wasn't like he flipped the bat and stared down the pitcher. He's excited. The place was going crazy. They're not playing polo. I don't know. Show a little emotion. I think that's one of the biggest problems with baseball. Show some emotion. I mean, it's always like poker face. Yeah, like I'm not happy. I'm not sad. I'm just poker. Uh, some of my unwritten rules uh, I thought Ooh, about. Let me think. So you knew this was coming?
0: So here's um, the deal. I need to know ahead of time because right. I can't think. You say random stuff out of your mouth. That's why it's better. Um, <laughs> unwritten rule, the rookie hazing to me I like, you know, in terms of the way they do that stuff. Like dressing uh,
4: up as whatever. Yeah, all that yeah, stuff is you. great.
0: Uh, the unwritten rule about, uh, and this is in all walks of life, but it's not talking about your contracts. I think is interesting, especially because you told the story about Simeon Rice, where if you want to tell it, you can. I don't care. Okay, so not not talking about other people's contracts is a thing, and you experienced well, that firsthand. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, you're allowed that In the NFL, the contracts are open, but yeah, I was like a rookie, and Simeon Rice had just like a few years before that signed a $20 million guaranteed. So I was in the locker room, it was like the day they were giving checks, nobody was in the locker room, I was like, damn... I really want to see what Simeon Rice's check looks like. Game check. <laughs> yeah, game check. And I'm, I'm very, uh, and I was close to Simeon, so I knew like, okay, I don't think he'll beat my ass upon me opening the envelope. Right. So what was your game so check? My game check, uh, roughly, I- I'm guessing going to say twenty thousand somewhere in there. It's my rookie year, For something one like that. Game, yeah. Right, somewhere in that range. Um, so his, I'm just like, damn, what does that number look like? uh so i cracked that thing open and i took a peek and man was it big uh yeah it was over four hundred thousand dollars uh which was like holy i was like damn four hundred thousand dollars did he get a sack yesterday i don't know Uh, but that was unbelievable yes a few minutes later he walks in the locker room he's like who the hell opened my damn check and i was like me and two other guys And i was like damn man it was me i was like i just had a look and he's like that's fucked up And I was like, I know, I'm sorry, I just, I couldn't help it. (laughs) And he's like, damn, that's fucked up. And he just left away. Sorry, that's a lot of F words for me today. Yeah,
0: yeah. But that's one of those things. I think the number one unwritten rule that annoys me is that the athletes can't date the cheerleaders. I don't understand what you're trying to protect there. Right. This isn't high school. Right. These are grown people. And you've told me stories about this before. Yeah, right. I just don't understand why, like, you can't be like, "This is an extremely attractive man who is the tip-top physical shape, and this is an extremely attractive woman <laughs> in tip-top physical shape." But you can't talk to each other. Like, like my what?
1: rookie year, we went to Tokyo, okay, to play the Jets' first preseason game of the year. The cheerleaders were on the plane. We were on one of those huge planes with like a double deck. You know what I mean? So they were upstairs. They were like, oh, don't talk to the cheerleaders. Yeah, you go tell a bunch of 24 year olds not to go talk to hot girls upstairs. So, of course, I went up there. I was like, well, what are they going to do? Cut me off the team on the middle of the flight? Uh, so, yes, I did, I did not follow any of those rules. I dated a cheerleader in Tampa a little bit as well. Wow. Um, yeah, the hell with the rules, you're exactly right. I like that. Another stupid, unwritten rule, I think, is, yeah. you know, like the whole, like, Oh, we can't talk about a no-hitter out, out loud. Like the, yeah, like, the ego that your mouth, what came out of your mouth, is going to affect what happens
0: in the I think that's the number one. That's number one? I the think jinx, that's the number yeah. one unwritten rule that doesn't make sense. Yeah. What okay. are you supposed to do as an announcer? Right. Got a great game going on here on the seventh inning. Man. No hits.
4: No, uh, uh, I ruined <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> that's the worst. Uh,
2: what? Come on.
4: Producer Josh, edit that out. Can't do that. Live broadcast. DJ Fendrick, spin it. Ooh. Michigan, Michigan State, fellas. Going to be so good for years to come, if last weekend is any indication. Right. One of the most unbelievable, remarkable finishes in recent memory. Of course, a go Sparty Botch pun. Thank you, Sims. Yep. Leading to a game-winning touchdown for the Spartans. My question for you two, what is the last sporting event that left you feeling physically ill. Now, mind you, uh, a fan, unfortunately, had a heart attack at this game. Of right. course, I'm sure. Well, let's not go there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so, but physically ill. In a good way? Yeah. Or like you're just so excited that you're nauseous Ooh. or you're so I, I
1: My mind went right to my dad's last game ever. At the time, I did not know it was his last game ever, but they were playing a uh, divisional playoff game out in San Francisco, 1993. They beat the Vikings in the wild card game the week before. They go out there, and um, they got uh, – sorry, I almost said Jeez. another one. Jeez. I'm bad today. No, you
0: did say yeah. that. You did <laughs> almost say that. They got
1: lambasted <laughs> by Steve Young. Nice. Ricky, Ricky Waters, I think, had five uh, rushing touchdowns. But that was a game where I cried multiple times probably during the first half. I was a 13-year-old kid. My dad's getting up there in age. Uh, yeah, that was one where I was – I can remember being like, man, I was hurt for like a week.
0: Mm. I, for me, I mean, Joe Carter is, like, oh, right. the number one thing. I see the highlights, and I feel bad. I see him turning first base with his hands up. I feel and bad. that's probably
4: one of your first tangible sports
0: That was the memories. first time I cried because of sports. I remember I was crying with my babysitter. I was seven. Yeah. So, like, that was that was when you first sort of start caring, and that right. team was so awesome. I remember I had so much pride in that team because my dad used to treat me like a parlor trick. I would go to restaurants, yeah. and he'd go, you can name the entire Phillies starting nine like right. I mean, as a seven-year-old. And the other one I think would be the Eagles lost to the Patriots just because in the Super Bowl. So those losses are always going to be a lot. They really are. Especially when you've had this incredible season, you feel like the storybook's being written for you. Right. And then it ends. The one that I feel like I'm the other way with is when the Sixers went in 2001 and they uh, – they, um, Sorry, I got distracted. Gabe, what do you have there? Red Sox 03 comeback. Oh, that was a good one. You're right. Yeah, the Deshaun Jackson one, mm. the punt when they were down. And that's another reason I realized why I love Michael Vick. Right. He led that comeback, and the Deshaun Jackson punt return. That all three, all three Yankees is
1: a big one. Oh, yeah. that
0: was, I mean, that was crazy. That though, was. Yankees. Yeah, that was. Producer Josh, you got one?
2: All of mine have to do with Rutgers, so they're really embarrassing. (laughs) I mean, leaving the rack after Syracuse, I think it was in 2006, had come back from down 20 at the half, and then Quincy Doobie missed a shot from the corner at the buzzer. I thought I was going to throw up on the way out of the rack. Man, Quincy
1: Doobie missed it from the corner? Yeah, you believe it? Man,
2: that's a rough one. Didn't miss a lot of them. (laughs) Didn't miss that one, though. Uh, I'll go
4: go for uh, 2006 U.S. Open golf. So I'm a big golf fan, obviously. Yeah. And a huge Phil Mickelson fan. Nicholson. I was playing in a U.S. What did I say? No, I say yeah. I yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah. I, I was playing work. in a U.S. Amateur qualifier in Overland Park, Kansas, at the time, and I played awful. Yeah. Awful. It was just muggy, and I was I, I couldn't I couldn't hit the ball, but my dad and I. We went to the, the clubhouse bar to watch the finish, and like Phil was finally going to win U.S. Open. Right. Like that that's the one he wants the most. He's been there so right. many times. Is
1: this Page? Is that No, this
4: was one? what would it be? Wingfoot? Wingfoot. Yeah, Wingfoot. And seventy-second hole. Yeah. Fans a driver, and everybody remembers what happened. Payne happens. Stewart, I,
1: though, right? Is that the one? No, Payne Stewart. That had was that Pinehurst '99. That was Pinehurst. Damn.
4: Uh, but I was, I still, I watched highlights of that. i really bring in the podcast. Yeah, wait, why did you I'm get sorry. emotionally upset about that? I was just, I was physically sick for the guy. It was like, that's the one he wants. He's got a one-shot lead on the 18th yeah, hole. Yeah, right, yeah. You need a par to win. A empathy puts you, is incredible. Puts you in a playoff. And he doubles it. Yeah, that, just, I, that
1: hurt. I, I remember watching that being, feeling really yeah, bad. I still see him.
4: highlights of it. And it's like, okay, he's going to make par here. Nope. Every time. We got
2: to do this last one real quick,
4: Nelson, before let's go. Uh, this one is not so much a question, uh, so I'm going to get out of the download voice for a second. But Fendrick brought to our attention, producer, Bruce Actually, Blaze. Yeah, this blaze. Was a, this was a
2: group discussion. Okay. Just Blaze. Just Blazing.
4: Uh, brought this to our attention. Apparently, there was an internet poll on NJ.com. And it was building the Mount Rushmore of Ramapo High School. Uh-huh. Oh, right wow. High
0: School Athletics. Athletics.
4: Poe yeah. Pride, if you will. Cool. Now, uh, there were 18 names eligible, and the top four finished like this. Sandy Gordon, Kelsey Ramsey, yep. Shooter Hunt. Right. Awesome name. Samantha Depkin. Yeah. In eighth place, Chris Sims. Yeah. It's not so much a question, I just want to know. Yeah, that well, Hershey Chris Sims bit? told his
1: family not to vote on this. You told Chris Sims that. knows that those families were going ballistic voting for themselves. Okay. So Chris Sims already won the Mount Rushmore discussion. What else is Chris Sims? So they can have the Ramapo fake newspaper one.
0: Dude, okay? what was so funny is we were sitting there <laughs> Sunday night and Blaze found it, and I was like, "Where's Sims on the list?" I was like, "I was like, he's definitely number one." Yeah, yeah, no. I was no. like, "I've never heard of." So any my of these sister people. got
1: was really getting emotional about it. She was like, "Yeah, you, you we got to start voting for you. You're like falling down the ladder." She's and I was like, and I knew other guys that were up for it, yeah. and they were like, "Oh yeah, my wife's like voting like a thousand times a day, whatever else." Uh, but it's all right; they deserve. Sandy Gordon was a great athlete. At, Three at, at high school. yes, she was a. She was pretty awesome, uh, especially soccer.
4: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Hogan was also a course. Chris Hogan. He, he, he didn't, didn't make it, it either, either. you, you, no, you Chris who Hogan. NFL players didn't make it. No. Yeah. There's like three, four
1: NFL players. I mean, Blake Costanza, who just retired from an eight-year Tole. career. Uh, Toll was one of the people that was voting for himself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> his whole family was voting for him. That's yes. amazing.
4: <laughs> <Right>. That's <laughs> right. amazing. Uh, do we need to do picks now, Fendrick, real Yeah, quick? real
2: quick. So after I blew the math last week, I went back and I really made sure that I got it right this week. So Sims, you went three and two last week. Right. Lefko, you went four and one. Ooh. Uh Sims, you guys both missed on the Cardinals. Legion of Boom. Sims, you missed on the Seahawks. Right. So now for the season, Lefko, you are up by two games, twenty three and eight. Uh, Sims, you're 21 and 10. So, Lefko is a two-game. You're
0: game in double-digit losses. Oh, I'm no. telling you, man, Carolina. If you would have just watched the game film leading into that <laughs> game, you would have seen right, it was a right, clear right. pick. All Thank about, you, All Cam about me watching for saving game. Film. All about watching
4: the game. Film. <laughs> saving me, hand. Lefko, because you won, you get the first game. Pittsburgh at Kansas City. Landry Jones versus Alex Smith in the Big 12
0: championship game. Um, I, how could you pick Kansas City? Pittsburgh, I think Martavis Bryant looks awesome. The defense seems good. I'm taking Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to pick Kansas City, even though I do think this will be a very good, close football game. And it's but,
4: in
0: Kansas City.
1: Yeah, yeah, but they find a way to screw everything up right now. I, uh,
4: I'm going with Pittsburgh. <laughs> okay. Uh, <Ooh>. Oakland <laughs> at San Diego, Sims.
1: Oakland at San Diego. Oakland off of a mm. bye. Yeah, Oakland off of a bye, which can be a good or a bad
0: thing. Whew. Let me ask you something really quick yeah. for picking purposes. Right. The good teams after a bye, does it help more than the bad teams? Uh, it, not always. Okay. Not always. It, it
1: really kind of just depends on the team in general. It can be such an odd thing, bye weeks. It can be great, uh, but, you know, I always, I never liked them. I, I really didn't. I always felt like the offensive line came back slap, sloppy after
0: a bye week. Uh, I am going to pick the San Diego Chargers. Yeah. I was – I'm going – I just – just you hyping up Jason Verrett all week. Yeah. Just thinking him on Amari Cooper is going to be a great thing. And I just – I don't think the Oakland Raiders can be trusted yet, you know. And I, I I'm going to go San Diego as well. Let yeah. me pick it first next time because let me pick. I should just pick them all first. I don't want it to seem like I'm copying. Sims. That's but, all right. Don't worry. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Cowboys. At, <laughs>
4: Cowboys at Giants then. Lefkoe. You go first. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> uh, Cowboys
0: at Giants. I think. Um, look, I know that I know that Gabe's really excited that Will Beatty's going to get back. But I watched the Eagles go. Hey, Marshall Newhouse. We're all going to have a turn taking it right to you. I can't believe I'm trusting Matt Castle, but I think Dallas I think Dallas is one of those teams that still knows their identity. Yeah. They've just been bit with the injury bump, right. and I still feel confident that I still think they can make it to the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm taking Dallas, and I think it's going to be a lot worse than Giants fans expect. Oh, wow. Hey, yeah, I think it's going to be a bad.
1: That's brutal. That's brutal words. Man, I don't know how to feel about this game. I'm very torn with this game. I, I, I didn't know we were picking it until right before, mm. or I figured we were. Um, I'm going with the Giants. Really tough. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just basically not going to trust Matt Castle in his first start ever. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think we're all seeing how great Tony Romo is. That's what I love about this whole Damn. situation.
0: Um, I just
1: – I uh, that defense, Greg Hardy, Randy Gregory. Dallas is the better football team. You're right. I'm just giving Eli Manning and Tom Cough on the edge just in the Yeah, close-up. I mean,
0: and it, it's going to come down to – we're going to learn a lot about Christine Michael, too. I mean, he could be the That'd guy. That'd be cool, right? It would be cool to see him blow up. Sorry, Gabe. Let's go, Gabe. Big blue. All right, Jets Josh is rushing us. Pats. Mother Hen – Jets at Pats. Boy, I want to go weeks. Jets. I want to go Jets so big. Rexless. Um, I just, when it comes down to Ryan Fitzpatrick versus the Patriots, I just think they're going to give them some weird looks. I got it. I can't. I, my heart says, Jets, I'm going Patriots. Yeah, I'm going Patriots as well. Okay. Because I, I, I really think if Chris Ivory can get going, I don't think the Patriots have faced, other than D- uh, D'Angelo Williams in week one, a consistent rushing attack week in and week out. But I, I can't, I'm not betting against Bill Belichick.
1: Jets are one of the five best teams in football, I think.
0: Except they're facing the best teams in exactly football.
4: Exactly right. Football. But. Uh, we always finish up with Philly. You got these picks? Are you writing them down? Lefko, okay. you you watched the game film. Your <laughs> Eagles against the Panthers. <laughs> So,
0: I actually think that this is a good matchup for the Eagles because I think that there's no speed at wide receiver for the Panthers. So, I think Byron Maxwell can actually have a good week for once. And I think the front four of the Eagles, front three, four, whatever, can really make life whatever. I just think that Sam Bradford is going to implode two or three times, like he does every single week. And this is a defense. Were you –
1: last week, so we were listening to – he was looking at something while I was watching film. It sounded like last week you were going to pick the Giants – and then you heard me say Philly,
0: and and I kind of got on you, and you went with Philly. Were you thinking about the Giants in Philly? Um, I was just thinking about, like, I can't, I just thought the Saints, like, that Saints win. Everyone's like, wow, the Eagles are great, and I just thought it was super So you're overrated. picking him in this Philly-Carolina? I'm, I'm going to pick Carolina, just because it's, I, I, I have so much respect for Cam Newton. It hurts my heart when I hear people say that he's not that good, and I think that they truly get their identity, and that, they're, they're not going to win the game. I think the Eagles are really going to lose this game.
1: Man, this is some good picks. Pitt, KC could have gone either way. Oakland, San Diego could have gone Take either Philly. way. Take
0: Philly. Make me look stupid.
1: No, i got to pick Carolina. I just can't believe you don't ever pick your own team. I mean, he roots Picked for the team week. and he never – I talked you into it. You were going to pick the Giants. Man, gosh. Uh, we're, we're all done. Hi,
0: it's called, I'm, a, I'm non-biased, unlike you, who like always You're picks You're
1: non-biased, the, uh, huh? Yeah.
0: Hey, let's Let's film you next week during the Eagles game and see how biased you are. Just because I lock myself <laughs> in my apartment and like literally take off my shirt at four different places. All right, again. Hen's wrapping it up. The Golly. Hen. Josh, it's time it's time to wrap Fender. it up. Yeah, he's got an appointment with his.
1: You're still not comfortable uh, on camera yet.
0: No, never will be. No,
1: yeah, we gotta get it. We gotta get Grandma Naomi to calm you down on camera. Come because you're not, we'll this Naomi is not the, the real Josh Fendrick yet, everybody out there. We have yet to see him come out of producer.
2: Grandma Naomi actually has some really strong opinions about Michael Vick. Right. So whenever he retires, I think we bring in Naomi as a guest. She can break down Michael Vick's. I would like that. Fendrick, say goodbye to everybody, buddy. Goodbye, everyone. All right. It's been a
1: pleasure. Nelson, choose, brother. Peace out, homies. Gabe, give him the hand. Oh, the Control hand. Control room,
0: give him the waves. Hello, control room. Hey. Bye-bye, Steinmetz. Hey. Hey, Michelle up there in the front. I want to give a shout out to Ryan, too. I don't know if we said his name. He deserves it. He's pretty awesome. All right. <laughs> Apparently, you're like, who the, fuck? who the fuck's Ryan? Which one's
1: Ryan? Show me again. I need a teleprompter so I can circle these people.
0: He's the one right there.
1: Yay! Hey, there's Ryan. <laughs> I
0: knew your name, Ryan. And Andrew. What's up, Andrew? All uh, right, Adam Loveko. I thought Peter King was awesome. He was. I thought it was a really cool, casual Came to conversation. Play a game it was really cool. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> legs on it. Peter King <laughs> for the Sizzle Loveko podcast episode thirty-five. The Kevin Durant hey, hey. over and out. There you go.